Welcome to She's on a Mission, the podcast. On our show, we talk about our entrepreneurial journey and how we built our current business, Renata Beauty. We also interview kick-ass powerhouse women who are on their own missions and highlight the ins and outs and the highs and lows of entrepreneurship. If you're on a mission, this podcast is for you. Hosted by Monica Abramov and Stacey Boboslavskaya. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of She's on a Mission, the podcast with your hosts, Monica and Stacy. And today uh, we are continuing on with our work from home series. Um, so if the sound is not perfect, please bear with us. We are in different locations. Um, so we've got Stacy on a speakerphone here with a mic. We've got a whole setup here. So hopefully it sounds okay for you. So we wanted to cover a topic today that we're really excited about because this is something that we kept running into and and really it's something that has really, I think, changed um, our business and how we approach things and also, I think, really helped us with the success that we have been seeing. And that is... Monica, <laughs> how to turn a no into a yes, which is something that we've, like Stacy said, we've really, um, we've had so much experience with, you know, it all has to do with rejection and persistence and really just trekking on when you get that dreaded no. So we're going to talk about our own experiences here. Um, we're not interviewing anybody today because I feel like we can talk for hours <laughs> about this topic um, when it comes to everything from, you know, knows from retailers, knows from investors, knows from uh, potential partners and things like that. So um, I think that we will start with the Lunata side of things and the experiences we've had there, and then we'll backtrack and talk a little bit about you know what we learned from our, our past company shopbake.com as well yeah so we could kind of start off um you know we went into lunata uh very confident because we felt like the product that we um were selling and the company that we had built uh, really was a game changer. So I think that the number one thing there was that we were ready. We were ready, confident, right? Coming in, we were excited about what we were working on. We were passionate. Um, so when we received one of our first no's, which was a, re a retailer actually uh, said no to us, um, I think that we didn't really take that no as a no, and we we saw that as a as motivation to really push um, and and show and explain to the retailer why that no should should be a yes, in essence. Um, and we saw that across the board with with the retailers. You know what we did is we always asked follow up questions. You know what were what were their concerns. Um, why did they say no? Did it have to do with timing? Did it have to do with maybe something they didn't understand about the product? Um, they might have also assumed things that, you know, we might be a small business or whatever else it was. As soon as we would get some sort of reply to why they may have given us a no, we were very confident and passionate in explaining and showing uh, examples of why maybe their assumptions, their initial assumptions may have been wrong. 
Um, so that's just, you know, that's the first kind of thing I would say is, is really being confident and passionate, uh, and knowing what you want. So sometimes, you know, those no's might, you might not really need them or want them and it's fine that you got it. But when you really want that, yes, you have to show the person or the company or the partner just how much passion and, and how much drive you have to to really change it into a yes. Yeah, and to give you guys a more sort of concrete example about this very first retailer that we got the no from, um, we had just started out. We had really only sold our first batch of, of kind of that test order that we did. So 105 units, we had sold it through our own website and through Amazon. And that was the time where we're like, you know what, let's just try to get into retail. Let's see what happens. And, you know, we contacted a bunch of buyers on LinkedIn and one of them got back to us, a really big, notable, um, you know, fashion retailer, department store, um, luxury kind of department store. So we were super excited. They said, you know, send us a sample and we'll take a look. And so we did a little happy dance and sent them samples and right away they got back to us and they said, well, you know, like the only thing is, is that this is a travel product and it's not a travel size. And could you do a mini? And we, we explained to them, look, like we've tried the minis. And the problem is, is that the battery needed to power the heat that we all want and to, you know, have plates large enough to actually do something for your hair it won't work at that size because we've seen the minis like they just they don't do anything for your hair they last for like 10 minutes and they die so we stood our ground on that we weren't gonna you know in the past where we would have been like yeah yeah we'll make a mini for you you know um we stood our ground and we explained exactly you know why it was the same the size that it was and they said okay cool <clears throat> you know we'll, we'll sit on it but for now like it's a no um and so we were like, okay, well, let's just keep on keeping on. And we, we continued on with the business. We hadn't, we weren't in any retail at that time. So we weren't really sure what to think of it because, you know, we thought to ourselves, is this what all retailers are going to think? But, you know, during that time, um, we just kept on working on our products and, and building up our business. And four months later, all of a sudden they reached out to us again and they said, you know, all the buyers at the office, have been testing out your tool and we all absolutely love it. Let's jump on a call. And we jumped on a call and they said, let's, let's put it up online ASAP. Let's give this a go. So that was sort of our first real experience of a no turning into a yes. And that really catapulted all of our retailers after that, because that sort of legitimized uh, the brand because we were so early. Yeah, I think the, the key here is very much standing your ground, right? And knowing what your brand and your product is because it's so easy to just start catering to the person or the company just to get that yes. And really, that's where things go sour. So we could have, as Monica said, just said, oh, yeah, like, let us get you a mini and we'll send you a sample and we'll work on one. And as soon as we would say that, like, I think that we would have never really gone into that retailer. The fact that we stood our ground and, and really showed them that we've done the research, I think, put them in a bit of a more like positive light to them. Yeah. And since then, I mean, anytime, because look, even even now we're in, you know, almost 20 retailers, but even now we still get no's. And that doesn't mean 
that the product isn't up to par or whatnot. It could be that they're not doing, um, you know, they're not doing a new product rollout at that time. They're not looking at new brands at that time. Maybe their uh, beauty assortment or their hair assortment is not what their sort of focus is right now. Um, so you always just got to let it sort of roll off your back. Um, you know, sometimes no is a pathway to a yes, or it could just be for the best, right? Um, there are some, some things that have happened that we've had no's on and, and we feel like they were sort of a blessing in disguise. So, um, you know, I, I guess kind of making that determination or that distinction of, um, what no's are worth turning into yeses and what no's are kind of worth letting go. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, so the second example of, of turning a no into a yes is a, a pretty big one. So this was, uh, who is now one of our investors, but at the time we weren't really, we weren't really fundraising. Uh, we weren't really looking for money. We had just really started the company and started getting into these retailers. And uh, we had the opportunity where uh, we met an investor who we really, really, really wanted uh, to be part of our company. And, and we really respected um, so what happened there is, you know, we pitched to the investor and the investor, uh, kind of sent our stuff over to somebody who was their kind of gatekeeper, as you would say. Um, and the investor was super positive when they met us, they, they really were interested in the business, but this gatekeeper <laughs> person, uh, you know, that, that their job is to analyze everything, to look at. Um, the, the the risks involved in investing in, in businesses and that gatekeeper told us no like a, a hard no <laughs> that they were not they didn't think that this investment was was good and you know we really as Monica said like some no's you you just kind of got to roll it off your back and, and think you know this isn't for us the future will tell and let's just keep on working on something else but we really really deep down inside knew that this was an investor we really wanted to bring on um, even though we weren't even fundraising so um, in this situation we really wanted to get some explanation and uh, we, we tried to get some explanations from the gatekeeper person and then just to understand why they made the decision of no um, but at the end of the day, we just went straight to the investor and we really kind of, I guess, showed to the investor how badly we wanted it, how badly we wanted the business to succeed, what we were willing to do to uh, turn the no into a yes. And, and, and really just like we pitched the business. He asked us to come and pitch it in front of a big VC and, and said that if the VC was interested, that he would be interested, and it became a yes. But honestly, it was, it was again, it was, it was something that we really felt we wanted. You know, if, if, if you really want something, I think that then you have this gut feeling that you need to push forward with it and, and try other angles and uh, go a different route. I think that times that we got no's and we just went with the no was when our gut kind of told us, you know what, this isn't, this isn't really worth us going that next step. And, and maybe this no 
is is a good thing and and it actually has turned out for us as monica mentioned a blessing in disguise certain no's but they also always motivate us like every time we do get a no and and now it's it's become very rare that we do get a no but when we do get a no it really does drive us to uh succeed in in other in other ways and other facets and uh we're fine with it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just want to backtrack for a second because I feel like it's important to mention that, you know, with the investor, it wasn't just us like going back and saying like, look, like we really want you to be involved. Like, no, we actually used hard numbers. So um, the, the gatekeeper, as Stacy calls him, he was the person that was really doing the due diligence. So he was looking at the model, like our financial model. And he said, well, I don't think that you can meet these projections. And unless a miracle occurs, like, I don't see how this is going to happen. Mind you, this was like the first, I guess, like six months of business for us. And so we went back to the investor and we said, look, we have these commitments from these retailers. This is what we're going to do over holiday. And not only are we going to meet these projections, we will actually exceed them. And this is based on fact. Like this is not, you know, based on like us saying like, oh, this might happen. Like this was, you know, really, these were hard numbers. So um, it was really just kind of writing a list to him um, in terms of why we're going to reach these numbers, why we're going to be a good investment, what our growth plans look like. So, you know, it's not just about um, showing your passion. It's also about obviously backing it up with, with numbers and, and whatnot. So that's an important thing to, um, to clarify. And we actually had a similar thing with another investor as well. Um, you know, she was introduced to us by somebody I don't even remember who actually no she was introduced to us by two different people I believe yeah Um, she was yeah and so we had conversations with her for a few months um we flew down to meet her uh where she lived and you know she was super interested in investing um but then things kind of got quiet and so we, you know, we, we followed up many, many, many times and we never heard back. And then finally she got back to us and she's like, look, it's just not the right time for me. Um, right now I've, I've got my, you know, my hand in too many projects and we're like, okay, we'll, we'll let this one go for now. Um, I think six months later I get a phone call (laughs) from her and she was like, okay, I'm ready. I've brought on, you know, somebody else who can really help with this, this investment and I'm in. So another example of, you know, a no kind of turning into a yes. So definitely keep that in mind because that's a really big thing with investors. A lot of investors will say no at first, but they'll say, keep me posted. You know, that's like a very, um, very kind of common thing with investors. Like put me on your distribution list. I want to see the updates. And Stacey can, can speak more about that. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I think a big thing is even if they don't say that to you, you should be the one that says that and never, ever close off the conversation for good. Um, always say, you know, we'd love to keep you updated. You know, we understand uh, because you don't. Yeah, you don't know what's going on during that moment with the retailers, with investors, with whoever. I actually have. Um, an example of something that um, an investor told me where the investor had this company that came and pitched to him and he gave them a no and the founder continued updating um, the fund and the investor every month and they would send like a a newsletter kind of style uh, update on what the company had been doing and I think it was like six or eight months later the fund ended up 
leading the round for that company, even though in the beginning they said, no, like, we're not interested at all. So I think the follow-ups, until they tell you, like, no, stop sending me this stuff, um, it's, it's a good thing. The other thing is that investors are always meeting with other investors and they have a huge network. So if you're keeping them updated or you have pitched to them, um, they might mention you to another fund or to another, uh, you know, investor or partner or even a potential um, other par- uh, company that might acquire you just in discussions. And if you're, you know, keeping them in the loop of what's happening, then they're not updating those people on something that happened in your business a year ago, but, but recently. So I think that that's, that's also like a good way to turn that no into a yes. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I yeah. think it's it, it also converts to so many different parts of business. Like it's not just about fundraising or getting into retailers. Your business might be completely different or maybe you're applying for jobs, um, you know, and, and making your next career move. So it totally depends. And with jobs, it's a little bit trickier because it's it's a lot more difficult to turn a no into a yes. But I think with with jobs and employment specifically, I think more often than not it's you know it it wasn't meant to be um and and usually like the next job you know or or a few jobs later or whatever is the right opportunity for you I found that kind of a lot when I was in in the corporate world um and then the same thing goes for sales like sales I think what are the numbers one in a hundred cold calls will turn into something or or even move sort of to the next step um and it could be really disheartening that that rejection all the time it's like constant rejection when you're in sales and I remember when we ran shopbake.com most of our business was really you know signing new bakeries and sometimes we would have to I hate using this word but we'd literally have to stock bakeries in the sense of like continuously following up with them trying to give a different approach trying to you know offer some exciting news about the brand offering case studies but again it's really difficult. Like how many emails do you get in a day? Like think about how many emails you get flooded into your inbox, like, and, and people, these salespeople, like, you know, trying all these different tactics. So it's really, really, really difficult to stand out. And so, you know, I always say like, we will persist until we either get like an F off or yes. Um, of course, if you get an F off, then that's when you back off. But (laughs) And another thing that we kept kind of seeing a lot was people jumping to assumptions and their no was just based off of the fact that they just didn't have enough information. Um, So even with like jobs, I've seen this many, many times where I didn't get a job and then I would follow up and ask them, you know, why didn't I get it? And then the person would say something like, oh, well, we didn't see enough international experience or we didn't. And then you can then email back by saying like, oh, like actually like here's here's some more information because the assumption was obviously taken on a two page resume but we saw this a lot even with shopbake some of the the first kind of assumptions or uh, like jumping to conclusion kind of situations we had was it was a bakery marketplace uh two women um you know leading this bakery marketplace and a lot of people assuming that 
we're both bakers and we're just baking cookies all day and that uh, when we came to pitches people would think that we're just pitching our own bakery and that we've digital like put our bakery up online but when we would have to show them and, and actually show that we built a technology it was a, a platform with hundreds of bakeries uh you 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 saw you were just like breaking down these assumptions that they had before they even met you so I think a good thing is we always always follow up after the no to just understand why they came to that conclusion the same way that with the first retailer they told us well we thought this would be a mini right and then it gives you that opportunity to at least uh explain it or maybe you don't have to explain it because that you understand from their answer that you just were not a good fit for them yeah. so it's just kind of finding out more information yeah exactly and kind of also trying to figure out when you know when is the right time to stand your ground when is the right time to fit to pivot because a lot of times um mostly during shop big days again because you know we weren't taken as seriously as we should have been taken a lot of these investors would say to us, well, you know, this model is not really for me, but why don't you go into like a SaaS model? And Stacey and I would be like, yeah, 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 that's a good idea. And we would try to turn that no into a yes by ways that were not um, authentic to us or wouldn't really, um, you know, stand by what we were trying to do. So, you know, our, our whole thing was, you know, it was supposed to be, or it was a marketplace, a three-sided marketplace. So the customer would be able to place their orders. There would be uh, the, the back end, which was for us, for admin. And then there was the back end for the bakery. So it was a pretty complex uh, marketplace. And that's, you know, that's how we wanted to run it. But, you know, they were like, why don't you make this a SaaS company and sell this to like Shopify and et cetera. And again, we we thought to ourselves because we were not that I can't say that we were weak, but we were not as strong as we should have been in our convictions and, and what we wanted to, you know, keep pushing forward with. So we would always say like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then we actually did pivot and we started building. I remember my shop bake and that didn't work. So, you know, just, it just goes to show like sometimes you do need to pivot a hundred percent, but make it, for the right reasons and not just because you know you're desperate to turn a no into a yes yeah i think it's assess. you gotta assess assess whether what that no is and what that means to you yeah and definitely take that feedback for sure um feedback is always great and sometimes it's extremely valuable and extremely effective um but you also have to learn when to take it with a grain of salt because everybody is going to have an opinion and you know especially when it comes to investors we've come across so many different types of investors and every single one will have their own sort of um set of kind of you know uh, what's the word they'll have their own set of sort of rules and their own set of kind of ways like to criteria. analyze yeah criteria to analyze an opportunity so one fund might be a fund that specializes in hardware so they'll really want to get into the nitty-gritty of you know our hardware and our you know our mechanics or electronics and make sure that we have um you know ip on our products and and things like that whereas like a consumer consumer goods product um, or direct-to-consumer fund 
will really be focused on, well, do you have like proprietary e-commerce technology, you know, or are you just using Shopify? So it totally depends on, you know, what the investor is looking for, or again, what the retailer partner or whatever is looking for. Um, and sometimes you need to sort of cater your answers towards that. But again, staying true to your convictions. Yeah. And don't, don't take that no and, and run away in a hole and be sad. Take that no and really let it motivate you and spark your passion to succeed. Yeah. Because look, as entrepreneurs, we're going to hear no's a lot. I mean, that's like, you, you almost need to have like a heart of steel um, and sort of let it bounce off. Um, We always say like we let rejections now roll off our backs because you can't let it affect you and you cannot take it personally. That's for sure. Like in the past, rejection would really, really, really upset me. Um, I would let it ruin my day, my week. Like, you know, it was, it was really, really difficult to kind of deal with and to process. Um, but now we always say, okay, either it's not meant to be, or, you know, it's not the right timing and we'll make it into a yes later. So something to always think about. Another thing I think that I wanted to kind of chat about is that the thing, once you get that yes, right? Once you get that yes, um, I think in the past, we when we would get these yeses, as Monica said, when we would get a no, we would really get down and, and, and feel like we failed or something was, you know, not right and it would really ruin our whole day. And then as soon as we would get a yes, we would get like so excited and just like, Uh, you know, want to tell the whole entire world that we got this yes. But a lot of the time, even when you get that yes, you really need to still analyze uh, whether you want that. That's first. Second, we always say this until the money's in the bank. You know, that that yes uh, can go a million different ways. And that yes can come with a lot of different terms where you realize that even though you really wanted that, that's just not the right um, opportunity or the right step or the right uh, person or, or whatever else for you. Um, and, you know, those yeses can, can always uh, show some, some signs that really make you want it to be a no. So what we've learned now is whenever somebody says like, yes, we'll give you money or yes, we want you in our store or yes, we want you to fly down here and meet with us. We really, really analyze um, that opportunity and try to get as much information as we can before we start to like throw, (laughs) throw a party or do a crazy dance or pop some champagne because, you know, just because somebody said yes, Uh, there's so much involved from getting that yes, for example, from an investor to the point of having the money in your bank account and and in your business to be able to actually use that money. There are so many steps and there are so many, um, you know, things that have to happen where um, you're not sure, like you don't know what will happen throughout that process. Right. So I think that we've kind of learned till we always say till the money's in the bank, (laughs) until something, you know, till the products on the shelf, till the money's in the bank, till, you know, this airs or that airs, um, the celebration doesn't, doesn't happen. And, but we do celebrate the small wins. (laughs) So it's not like, uh, all serious over here. (laughs) 
but it's just get get all that information after you get that yes so you really understand what that means yeah it's such a good point and we've actually had that that experience too where we've gotten into a retailer and then once we did the math and did the numbers we realized we'd actually be losing money and you know sometimes when you're starting out especially um there are you know these kind of loss leader accounts that will help sort of catapult your brand um, to that next level. But for us, it just wasn't the right opportunity. Um, so we've had to pull out of these yeses. Um, so there's that as well. So it's definitely, yeah, definitely I, a good point. I think another thing is like, as you get to be a serious business and you have employees and you have uh, you know things that you have to pay for and, and it's like a very serious business, you realize that a lot of the flashy opportunities and the um, kind of like things that might seem really cool and really, really flashy, as I, I would say, um, oftentimes are, are not really what they seem. And that's why, like, as Monica said, sometimes there's a retail opportunity that it seems like the best thing ever. And it's so amazing to think that you're a part of that. But then as you start to do all of the calculations and digging deeper, you realize that for your business, that that is not the best move. A lot of things like that when it comes to um, our experience where we saw, you know what, let's not jump to conclusions here. Let's let's figure out what this yes means and if it's even something that we should really be taking on. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, look, again, there's going to be a lot of no's. It's just a matter of your attitude and, you know, how to how to turn that into a yes. But again, as we said, sometimes it's just meant to be or it's not meant to be, I should say. Um, if you guys have any questions for us, if you want to run something by us, if you need some advice on rejection or turning that no into a yes, we are always available. Um, you know, you can reach out to us on social media, on LinkedIn, um, and, and we're here for you. So thank you guys so much for listening. Um, again, you know, uh, the sound was probably not the best and it will be like this for, you know, the next few weeks until we're out of this lockdown, but we hope you're all staying sane and safe, and we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe and share with other women on a mission. We also welcome you to follow our brands on social media, where we'll announce new episodes and other exclusive info. You can find us on Instagram at Renata Beauty and at Unplugged.Beauty. Until next time.